Amen. 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 <laughs> Amy, I'm a weeper too. <laughs> I, bl- I like to blame my parents as well, but uh, really it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. There's so many things that I'm thankful for in this moment. One, a stage full of men leading worship. Amen. Amen. I don't know when I've seen that and and how long it's been since that has happened. I was standing there, and AJ said it to me earlier in the week after worship practice. He said, it's a full male ensemble this week. And I was like, praise God. Men of faith, arise. Know your word. Know your call. Know who you are, who God's created you to be. And let's stand and lead. Oh, amen. And then there's testimony. Amy and Rick, thank you so much for that. I was so moved by that. I was pricked. I was convicted by that. Because comfort is such a draw on our lives. To live comfortably but not ask, not include God in what our plans are. But we just want to, oh, we want to play that. I, I know that, I know that, and I, so thank you so much for sharing and, and for being just real, and that's what we need in the church. We need a, a body that knows each other, that knows one another, that knows what we're going through, and that we can join together and, and say the faithfulness of the Father is true and right, and he's, his promises are good, and his, his, his character is what the Bible says it is, that he will be faithful to the end that his promises hold true and they never fail. They never fail. And so I was just really moved by that. And I mean, really, that's what we're doing this morning is talking about testimony. As you can see, we're talking story this morning. Um, This was a little phrase that that Kira and I picked up when we were down in Hawaii. We we went there um, when we were called into the mission field. Uh, back in 2021, well, we got the call in 2020 um, from the Lord to, to sell everything and go into the mission field, and we, we just we felt God, he kind of, there were some doors that opened, we were looking through, and then they started shutting, and then we were like, the only one left was to go to Kona, Hawaii, and, and get trained up to the mission field, and, um, and so we were like, yes, and amen, and as soon as we said yes, just the peace of the Lord dropped. And he started moving things out of the way. I was like, "How are we? what are we going to do about our house? What are we going to do about my truck? What are we going to do about these debts that we have? And, and he just started whoosh, moving mountains. So just like we pray, or just like we worshiped at the very be- beginning, AJ said, you know, Lord, you've done it before. Do it again. That's what he did. He is faithful and able to do the things that he's done before. We just have to remember, which is another thing that we praised this morning. We have to remember what he's done. We're so quick to forget. <laughs> We're so quick to forget. And so I was just blessed by worship this morning because it kept reminding me and reminding me and reminding me of how faithful God's been. And so we went and we, um, we um, went to Kona and we received our training um, down there to become missionaries. And um, while we were there, uh, it was the University of the Nations. It was YWAM, for those of you who don't know, that's Youth with a Mission. Um, they, that's what they do. They're very proficient at uh, discipleship training school in 
sending missionaries, training them up, sending them into the world. And while we were there, we, the islanders had this little phrase that they would use. Let's talk story. You know, but it was always, it was cooler than that. They're like, hey, let's talk story. You know, <laughs> a little more chill. Um, and, uh, and I quickly found out that for them, that was, hey, I want to know you. I want to know where you're from. I want to know how you've ended up here at this moment in time together with me. And then there's also the apostrophe S, yes, let us talk story. So it's mutual. It's a, it's a, but I'm also wanting to share with you who I am. And, and, and we're going to spend some time getting to know each other. And um, we've, we've got to incorporate this mindset into the church. We've got to incorporate this mindset into the church. And you know why? Because the example for knowing each other was set by the call of Christ. He says to know him. And to know him is to know the Father, right? And he says, you know, um, one of the greatest threats in the church is, you know, that he puts out there as a caution and as a warning. Get away from me. I never knew you. So he has an emphasis in scriptures where he's saying, you need to know me. And then he also emphasizes community, so we need to know each other. And when we share testimony, not only do we get to know each other, but we get to know more about who Jesus Christ is through how he's come through for one another, through each and every one of us. And so um, that's why I just wanted to come in and say, I know that some of you know me and have known me for a long time, and I hope you've forgotten some of the things I did in my childhood. Um, <laughs> Don't laugh too loud, Paul. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and some of you I'm acquainted with, and, and we've met, and we've had some conversations, and, and I know I, I wouldn't be so arrogant to come in and just assume you guys all know who I am. But some of you are new here. Some of you I've never met before. Some of you, you know, so there's varying degrees of knowing that you have of me as an individual, and now you're being told as a congregation that I'm coming in to pastor. And I think it's important that you get to know who I am. Amen. Very important that you get to hear my testimony of how God has been faithful for me as an individual, as God has, has led me to my beautiful wife, and how God has blessed me with my two beautiful children, and how God led us, you know, all throughout. I don't know if I'll get all of that covered today. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, you know, first I'll start off by saying I'm 42 years old, uh, and, uh, and I grew up right here in Russell. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful, beautiful place to grow up. Amen. Amen. Um, but yeah, so, uh, oh gosh, testimony. I just want to really quick touch on this, because this is the importance of why I'm sharing my story. This is the importance of, of, of what Rick and Amy shared, of what next week uh, my wife is going to be up here, and she's going to be sharing her story so you can get to go know her uh, and the journey God has had her on. Um, but I just want to touch on this verse from Revelations. Most of you know this one, right? Re Revelations 12. This isn't our focus scripture from this morning, but this is an important part of being the church and being the body. And it's Revelations 12:11. It says that they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. Who is him? The enemy, Satan. And he is conquered. He is defeated by what? The blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and the word of our, of our testimony, of their testimony. 
They're, they're being the saints. And so when we couple the salvation of the, the you know, the, the receiving of salvation of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we, we give our lives to him, and he leads us through these tumultuous times. He leads us through these, um, you know, these difficult seasons, and he helps to show us that he is faithful and that he is good and all of these things. When we just declare that to one another, then other people are like, I can put my trust in the Lord. Yeah. And so that's... That's one of the beautiful things. Another thing that I was just that I saw this morning, and I was just like, oh, not only that, but and uh, and I didn't. Sorry, didn't have this verse for you guys this morning because it just came to me while I was uh, doing devotion this before coming here. Um, but in verse or chapter 15 of Revelations, if you can pull it up quick, verse five says this: After this, I looked, and the heavenly temple, the tabernacle of testimony was opened. What is the tabernacle? The dwelling place of God. The temple is the dwelling place of God. And he's saying in heaven, it's comprised of our testimony. That's the name. They're declaring the name of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of testimony. Our testimonies become the dwelling place of the Spirit of God, where when we declare it, we're declaring the Spirit can change your life. The Spirit can change your life. The Spirit can see you through. The Spirit, and as we declare the, our, our testimonies, he's, he's receiving a place of dwelling in which his power is made manifest through our confession, through our profession. And so I just wanted to point that out because that's the importance of us talking story. That's the importance of us getting to know, really, truly know one another, is that when we do it, we're making a dwelling for the Lord, Lord God Almighty. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm actually going to start kind of in the middle. This is, yeah, interesting, right? Which is really funny because I was like, oh, wow, this was when I was 21. Um, and I'm 42, 21. I'm doing the math. It's right in, dead set in the middle of where I'm at right now from where I was in this mo moment um, pretty much. And so um, <laughs> so when I was 21 years old, I found myself, let's see, sorry for, there, I don't know, if, I'll be out of sight I found myself like this with my hands handcuffed behind my back at the age of 21 in Oakland, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. When I was in school, um, I, had, I had gone to school a couple years after high school. And, uh, and so I was a little older when I went to school and I, I my freshman year, I was down at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, so I lived in the dorms. And then my sophomore year, I moved out to Oakland. And I was living with about six roommates. And um, we were all trying to, you know, we're college kids. We're all trying to make ends meet. And uh, I was in my sophomore year, 21 years old. <laughs> so I was older than the other kids. And we all know what 21 means in the uh, good old states of America, yeah. right? And so I got this great idea that I was going to start to um, purchase beer and throw parties and sell cups and pay the bills. 
and that was a way in which I was going to try to um, get my way through without, you know, more debt. And, uh, and I thought I was being really smart, and I was not, obviously, right? You know, I was, uh, I was selling cups, and kids were coming, and I always made it a rule at my, at my parties, right? You start to, like, how can I do this and manage it, right? How can I somehow, you know, like, Rick, don't laugh at me. Don't, don't. He's like, as an officer, he's like, uh. Um, <laughs> when she said that, you're a police officer, I was like, I don't know if I should tell this story. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, so anyways, you, you, you're like, oh, if I just stay sober, I can kind of, you know, I can manage the, the environment and I can make sure that nobody is, that it's not getting out of control and I can make sure, you're right, that everything goes okay and that people aren't getting hurt and nothing stupid is happening. Well, there's a whole lot of that. <laughs> and, um, and, but I was, I, that's, that's where I was at. And so I, so I was throwing these parties and then one of my good friends, really good friends from Philadelphia was coming up for a weekend and it happened to be a weekend that I was throwing a party and and he was like yeah it'll be great he can come to the party and you'll get to meet him and this was you know quickly becoming one of my best friends at college at the time and so I was like that's awesome I can't wait to meet him and uh and he and his best friend shows up and you know he he you know pulls out of his bag three large bottles of Jägermeister and I got one for you, you know, to my buddy Mike, I got one for you. And he's like, and I got one for you because Mike, he's told me all about you. And I'm, you know, like, you know, like, I can't wait to hang out with you. And me, of course, just trying to be a good host was like, well, yes, thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, right? And uh, I, didn't, I didn't start to, oh, I try to stay sober at my party so that I can manage things. No, I just was like, let's, let's go. And so we... By about four o'clock in the afternoon, had drank the entire bottles. Yeah, oh Lord, he's right. <laughs> it was. Uh, it wasn't good. I was wasted before the party even began. I was, you know, beyond drunk. And um, the party starts happening, and all these people start pouring. All these kids start pouring in. You know, remember, I'm 21, and. When you throw parties in college, you're not usually getting people that are 21 and older. You're getting a significant amount of 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids coming in, right? And so we've thrown the party, and I'm no longer in a place where I can manage it. And so I, I'm just having a great time until the cops come. And um, the Pittsburgh police, and understanding Oakland is a university neighborhood, University of Pitts right there, they're really used to this. So they try to come and just scare you. And like just, you know, they're not trying to make your life miserable. They're not trying to like, you know, destroy your life or anything like that. So they came in, they're like, just shut it down. We just got, we got a noise complaint from a neighbor. Shut it down, send all the kids home and we'll be good. And I said, oh yes, of course officer. Sure thing. You know, like, um, and you know, and I see some kids jump out the windows and out the doors, you know, they're like, ah, the police, the police. And, um, and so I, once they drove away, keep it going, everybody. It was just, I, I kept going. I didn't shut it down. I didn't have any common sense. I didn't have anything, you know, which was arguable if I had common sense before I was even drunk. But um, 
But then I, so I kept it going, and, and within about a half an hour, the, the neighbors called the police again, and the police came back. But this time it was a separate set of police. They were like, um, who's in charge here? And the kids were like, that guy. And I'm like, all right, shut it down, send everybody home, and we're good. And I said, all right, officer, sure thing. And some more kids jumped out windows and scurried away. And then, um, again, I had no common sense, and so keep it going. Yeah, right? So about a half an hour able, or later, uh, the neighbors called the cops again, and um, there I was in handcuffs. The cops that came the first time came back, and at that point in time, you know, the kids were, the door was not, you know, when I was sober and managing the party, I'd keep the door shut. But at that point, the kids were coming in and out, and the door's just wide open, so the cops were able to walk right in. There I was walking by at a very timely moment that they grabbed me, pulled me out, slapped me in handcuffs, set me down on the fire escape. The one cop looks at me and says, is it okay that I go in and empty this party? I said, absolutely, officer. And so one of the cops goes in, and the other cop stands at the door and cards every single young person, man and woman, coming out of that that place. And um, as you can gather, probably a majority of them were underage drinkers. And I was 21, legal age, intoxicating minors. And I couldn't even, like in my mind, I mean, I don't know the law. So I wasn't like, I was like, I have no idea the severity of the situation I am in. All I know is I was scared. I was so scared. And I was sitting there in my life was flashing before my eyes. And I was just thinking of the disappointment um, that I was going to be to my mom and my dad and my family back home. And after the party emptied, the, uh, the police officer looked at me and pointed at me and said, give me one good reason. I shouldn't take you downtown to jail right now. And in that moment, I had a choice to make. And it was a choice I knew was going to define the rest of my life. And I'm going to leave you at that. So, <laughs> the cliffhanger. So I grew up here in Russell. I grew up right across the river on Cider Mill Hill Road. and. Um, and uh, my mom and dad, wave, mom, dad. They're like, no, we don't want to wave. Thank you for coming this morning. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they grew up over on that side of town. My dad did anyways. My dad's um, parents were Gene and Rowena Spencer, uh, Rowena, and they lived up on Cider Mill Hill Road. And uh, so there's a Spencer legacy, you know, many of you probably are aware of in the area, at least the name has existed here for, for quite a while. And um, we grew up going to uh, Faith Bible Church right down the road. Um, and so I grew up in the church. Um, Alan Jones, who's the pastor up at Cable Hollow now, was the pastor there at Faith Bible at the time. And uh, it was a very fundamental Bible teaching church. And, uh, and so I was there um, from the, you know, more or less the time I was born uh, until about 15 years of age growing up there. Um, doing Sunday school there, 
you know, learning the basics of my faith there at Faith Bible Church. And, um, and it, was a, uh, it was a good church. I remember being there. And, and just really enjoying my childhood there as part of that community. And then, you know, Pastor Allen and, and his wife Linda, they got a call to leave. And so they, they exited and things shifted and things changed. And there was, uh, I was reaching my teenage years. And so um, there was a new uh, youth group or youth leader out at the Pittsfield Otterbein United Methodist Church out there. And, uh, and, and they had, a, you know, the new kind of happening youth group. Uh, and a lot of our cousins and friends were starting to go there. And so my brother and I made the decision around that time to, uh, to start going out to that church to be a part of what was starting to develop in, the, the, you know, in, in that community. And we got out there, and, you know, we initially went because our friends were there. Right? We initially went there because that's where our cousins and our friends were, and we wanted to be around them and hang out with them. And you know, for us at the time, you know, even though we were learning the basics of, of faith, like it was still a lot about who, you know, who we got to hang out with and play with. But I got out there, and there was a new youth pastor. And um, he was maybe the first leader in my life that really started to see me for... Um, for, I believe, who God saw me as. I mean, he started to really speak uh, life into me and started to speak identity into me and started to develop um, me. And I, you know, this was... So for the last couple of years, I started doing the youth band, singing on the youth uh, worship team and, um, you know, getting more actively involved in youth group. And then I graduated high school. And like I said, I didn't go to college right away. So he said... I want to develop you. I want to disciple you to be a young adult leader in the church. And so I started going out and having like regular um, Bible study meetings with him uh, throughout the week. And he was trying to, to, to train me up, so to speak, and really um, teach me what it would be to be a leader in the, in the church. And um, it got to a point or then I, then I started to feel like I need to do something with my life. So I was like, I need to go to college. I need to do something with my life. And so I ended up applying and, and auditioning for Point Park University down in, uh, in Pittsburgh, where I went to school for musical theater and uh, minored in dance and uh, did performing arts. A lot of you, if you've known me long enough, know that I was very involved in the uh, performing arts uh, theater around the region. Um, up at Eisenhower, down with the Warren Players at Struthers Library Theater. And, and so that was a, a passion of mine, singing, dancing, acting, all of that. And so, um, and so I went and I was doing that. And, and before I left to go, I had one adulting moment <laughs> in my, between my high school and college career where I had taken out a loan and I had gotten a car, you know. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, real responsibility here. And, uh, but I was going off to college now, and I couldn't take the car with me. So then I think to myself, what do I do with this? And um, the youth pastor said, you know, at one point in time, we were just having a conversation. He's like, I'm, he's like man, my wife and I really need a vehicle. And I was like, ding. Hey, I have a car. You know, here's the loan payment. 
I'll give it to you. You take the car, use the car, here's the payment book, make the payments on time, and we're, we're golden because I can't take it with me. And uh, in the moment, he was like, wow, thanks. You know, that's, that's great. That's perfect. And so he gladly received that, that offer of the, the vehicle and the responsibility of the loan payment. And I went off to college, and I had nothing to worry about. I was like, right? Because I trusted this guy, you know? And, um, and then about a year into my sophomore year, or my freshman year, rather, I was, you know, coming around the bend on my spring semester, and I started getting calls from the bank. Hey, where's the uh, payment, you know, for your vehicle? And I was like, I don't know. I have to contact, I, you know, I kind of try to explain them, like, we don't care who has a car. Where's the payment, you know? And so I contacted, uh, tried to contact the youth pastor. I was like, hey, you know, where are you? Leaving messages. I'm trying to get a hold of him. Could not get a hold of him. Finally, I contacted somebody in the church who got me his wife's number, so I contacted her. And she was like, he walked out on me. And I was like, okay, there's shock. But then there was, I'm really sorry for that, but what about my car? <laughs> you know, like I, I was just like, well, what about the payments? What about, you know, me, essentially, and, and my, situ my current situation? And, uh, and he, she, was like, I, she was like, I have the car. I said, well, are you making payments? No, he's supposed to make the payments. I'm like, well, where is he? I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know, and then hang up. And so I didn't know what to do in that moment. I was like, I'm, I don't know what to do, Lord, you know? But here's the thing is I didn't say I didn't know what to do, Lord. I just was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't include because in that moment I had lost something. In that moment, this individual who I had put so much trust in to be my provider of spiritual guidance dropped the ball and consequently dropped my trust. And you know who, therefore, I did not trust? God. In that moment, all of a sudden, I was like, if I couldn't trust him to do what he said he was going to do. If I couldn't trust him who was the one who was really pouring into me, the one who was really declaring identity over me, the one who was really you know, helping to develop me spiritually, if I couldn't trust him to do what was right, then why am I going to trust you, Lord? And that was a, there was a switch. There was almost like a, uh, you know, it was like you broke, in, in my mind, him breaking his promise was God breaking his promise. And that's not true. <laughs> but it took me a little while to come to know that. But that's how I, so I turned my sights towards myself in that moment. I turned my sights towards feeding my flesh. I started to drink. I stopped worrying about whether I was going to find a church in Pittsburgh or other Christians at school anymore. You know, I was trying my freshman year, but then I stopped worrying about it. And then I started allowing the cares and concerns of the world, right? In the parable of the sower, the, you know, the thorns and the thistles, they grow up around the seed and they start to choke it out. And I started to allow it to be choked out of me because people started coming in with their worldviews. People started coming in with their religious 
perspectives and their um, secularized perspective that then all of a sudden I was like, you're right, I don't know anything because the, I didn't have a God, in my understanding, I didn't have a God big enough to embody all of that. And the world started to say, this little tiny thing, this little, I can kill that. I can destroy him. And that's what the enemy started to do. The enemy started coming against me and started to choke out the cares and concerns, or with cares and concerns, started to choke out my faith. And I just kept going and going and going in this downward spiral until this moment. <laughs> this moment right here. Where I was handcuffed and I'm sitting there and the officer turns to me and says, give me one good reason. I shouldn't take you downtown. And it felt like a while. I don't know. But I do know that it was the first time I prayed and included God in any decision in my life in a couple years. And I just... I closed my eyes, and all I could utter in my spirit was, God, help me. That's it. God, help me. And God, <laughs> he helped me all right. He told me the scariest answer I could have probably been given in that moment. Whoa, all uneven ground there. I promise I'm not drunk. This is, this, I, I'm not reliving the moment or anything. I'm not. Um, I'm, th I'm like, God, help me. And I'm thinking, like, give me some clever way out of this, right? Give me some way that I can, like, do a song and dance and, like, magically disappear, you know? Like, poof, I'm gone. And it was like, there was, this is all I heard. Tell him the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> tell him the truth. And so I looked at the officer, and I just said, yeah. I was like, I have no reason you shouldn't take me downtown right now. I said, I should. You should. I need to go to jail. I said, this, I, I said this, I've been stupid. And I'm an idiot for not listening to you the first time. So whatever you have to do, officer. And he looked at me. And he just said, if you had given me any other answer, if you'd said any smart remark, if I had gotten even a whiff if you haven't learned your lesson, you'd be in the back of my car right now and I'd be taking you to jail. But because you seemed truly contrite, right? Broken in your spirit, like you've truly learned your lesson and you seem truly repentant of what you've done. I wanted him to say, you're off scot-free. <laughs> But instead he said, I'm going to give you this. And he handed me a fine for a noise violation for $750 for a college kid. That was like, 
might have well have been a million. I was like, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know who didn't help me with paying that fine? Any of my roommates. All of a sudden, they didn't care that I was paying their bills with the parties I was throwing. They were just like, oh, we had nothing to do with it. You're the one that's 21. <laughs> I was like, come on. And so, <laughs> the whole point of what I'm trying to say in my story and in sharing these, like this particular, because I asked God, I said, what is, I was like, I can share my story. I can let people kind of get to know me. I can let, you know, I can let people, and I have no problem telling you anything and everything you want to know about who I am, where I've been, what I've gone through, what God's brought me through, right? I'm like, God has freed me from shame and guilt, so therefore I live without a sense of condemnation over my decisions. I'm like, Praise God, this moment in time didn't define who I am. I'm not a bad person because I did those things. I made bad choices. <laughs> Amen? So I'm not like, I'm not defined by that. I, 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 you know, that's what we tell our girls all the time. Like, they do something, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're like, you're not bad. That was just a bad decision. So we got to teach, we got to teach our kids to, 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 to be able to differentiate between when we're speaking uh, correction or speaking condemnation. We're not, we need to not speak condemnation. They're not bad kids. Kids are good kids because they're created in God's image. Amen? Amen. Amen. So kids are good. We've got to declare that over them and then offer gentle, loving correction. And so, side note. Um, yeah, praise God. The, um, but yeah, so, so the point that I'm doing, sharing this story with you because I asked the Lord, what, what part of my story? I mean, I, again, I could have shared a lot of different parts of my story. My wife can attest to that. But this part of the story was because I believe in our lives, God always brings us to that moment. In, our, in every single one of our lives, God brings us to a moment in time where we have one deciding choice to make that is going to define whether we are going this direction or whether we are going that direction. And so we have to recognize that moment for what it is, and we have to be able to um, allow the Holy Spirit. We have, to, we have to confide and talk to the Holy Spirit like Amy and Rick did. Are we supposed to? Like, is this what you have for us? Or, God, I want to include you in my decisions. And so they, you know, so that's what it was like. It's been a long time, but praise the Lord, when I was young, Right In Proverbs it says, train up your child in the way that they shall go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. So I had received training, formal Bible training through my time at Praise Fellowship or at uh, Faith Bible. I had received, um, you know, kind of an identity um, build up. You know, not, I, like, I believe that the youth pastor meant very well in what he was training me up for. And he was actually speaking truth, even though he made a bad choice. Doesn't make him a bad person. Right? So I don't hold any ill will against what happened. This was all a part of God's refining fire that I walked through that brought me to this place where I had to say, do I believe the seeds that have been planted in me from my childhood enough to say, I trust you, God? Do I believe that, that I have good in me enough to say, I want that to be what's produced, the fruit produced in my life? And so I got to this moment and it was just, 
yes. I trust you, God. And so the point of my story is that we all come to a choice. And there's times in Scripture where it's made very clear. And so I know I've been talking a lot of story, and that is kind of the heart of this week. And next week is, is us sharing kind of more or less who we are. Um, but I do want to point out how this ties into Scripture because, you know, I don't want anything in this house and not be pointing towards him. That's a huge part of our heart. And the scriptures point to him. So therefore, I want, I'm, I was like, God, if I'm going to share this, what in your word coincides with this message that's going to say you are it and that this is what we're supposed to do? And he, he, he through a conversation with Rich Van Houten earlier this week, um, Rich, when I was sharing some of my heart of the message this morning with him, he was what came to his mind through the spirit, and this is how the body works together, was Joshua 24. And so I want us to just look at this really quick. <clears throat> this, is the, this is the Old Testament version of the decision that you have to make. And then we'll look at a New Testament version. All right? In Joshua 24, um, <clears throat> verse 14 says this, therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your fathers, or the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today which you will worship. The gods of your fathers worship, or the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River, so back in Egypt when they were enslaved and they were beaten and they were just, you know, in captivity. The gods of the Ammonites, right here, it says the, uh, the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are living, the promised land that God brought them to. Are you going to worship these gods in this land? But then he says to them, and this is, I really feel a declaration I want to say to you all in this body. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. That's it. We will worship the Lord. And that's my heart and my desire for this house. And I, I'm, I'm actually going to call everyone here to account this morning. Because it's more important than anything that if we're going to walk forward in health, in wholeness, and into the destiny that this house has within this region, we have to declare this truth. And we as a body have to say we're going to put aside anything else. Any gods of any other nation, any, any, any gods of any other people the gods of our fathers, that's, some of us need to let go of those generational gods and say that no more am I going to act under this generational uh, uh, legacy where my father and their father before them and their father before them did this 
but you know it doesn't align with the word of God, you can't keep doing that and not and, and, and expect the fruit and the promises to be fulfilled. There has to be a putting away, a shedding off the old and a putting on of the new. And so this is my, my declaration. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. I say that right to you. And to all of you. Because that's what I'm here to do. That's what we're here to do. And I know that some of you have expectations. I just feel the Lord telling me I've got to address this right now. I know some of you have expectations as to what it means to be in this position of pastoring and lead pastoring of a church or a community. And I'm like, I have to let you know that I'm not here to meet your expectations. I'm here to meet the only expectations that matter to me, and that is God's expectations. What Jesus Christ says is the way to do it or the way to go, I want to go that way. That's the way I want to go. And I want to, but I, I, but just so you know, it's not a matter of any sort of pride or hubris. Like, I want us to know each other and to overcome our differences. In a spirit of unity and in a spirit of peace, I want you to be able to share with me when you have a different opinion. And I, I'm going to tell you, I have no problem with differences of opinion, differences of perspective, different, uh, you know, I have no problem. Let's have those conversations. Let me know. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. All right? Because that's this. If, if the body of Christ is going to work as a body, we have to be able to have those conversations and not be offended. Not get angry. Not get frustrated. And certainly not walk out the door. Because the only way this is healthy is if we're willing to walk into the fire together. Because who will be there with us? Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God will be, will be with us in that fire, and we can overcome. And then we're going to walk from this. Oh, gosh. I'm, okay. Ah, I know it's, I'm like, it's, oh, goodness. I'm like. All right, vision. This is the vision God's laid on my heart. Is the building of the kingdom of God as depicted in Scripture, in the Bible. To see this, this is this is God's house, but it's also this is a gateway to the city of God, to the kingdom of God. People, you come here because you want to be in the presence of the King, right? And that's what churches are supposed to be, gateways to the kingdom of God. And I have no desire to be a standalone gate with a wall broken down on this side and a wall broken down on this side and have absolutely no connectivity to the other city gates. It's a Nehemiah calling. I want to see the, this gate constructed, healthy, whole, functioning as it's supposed to and is intended to. But I'm not looking to see five services in this, cha in this chapel. If that's God's will, praise his name. But I'm not looking for that. I'm looking to see us actively in each other's homes 
having fellowship, praising his name, praying to God, um, reading his Bible, and seeing Holy Spirit fire, build walls from this gate to the next gate. So I'm, I'm talking about connectivity between, you know, church, churches all around this region. That's my heart's desire. And I, I know a lot of the pastors in this region. Praise the Lord. And they're good men. And I have every intention of pursuing them in relationship and saying, how can we come together? And I'm getting way ahead. I'm getting way ahead. First, we have to deal with making sure this is sound. We want to make sure that this gate is functioning, is healthy, and that the gatekeepers of this gate are standing watch against the enemy and watch for the king. <laughs> that's, what I, that's my heart's desire. And so I ask you to join me in prayer for that. I ask you to join me in prayer for that. And yeah, so that's, oh, There'll be more of that to come, more of the expounding of the vision that God has really placed on our hearts for seeing the connectivity of the body of Christ and the building of the kingdom of God in this area and in this region because I, uh, it's significant. He's shown both my wife and I pictures, and we are just excited. We can't tell you how excited we are for what God's shown us for this, this house and this region. Amen. I'm serious. It's like it's exciting. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, I'm, oh, goodness. Okay, so that's the Old Testament. S choose today who you're going to serve. As for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. The, um, the New Testament reference that Jesus uses is in Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go into a, an, an opportunity for you all. Um, and and wrap things up, but, or not wrap things up, that's completely up to him. Um, chapter 16, Matthew 16, verses 24 to, uh, I think, 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet uses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? I'm going to read down through to 28. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father... And then he will reward each according to what he has done. Why do we do things? Because we choose to. So it's the same thing as saying what you have chosen. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you for that revelation. It's not that we won't die. It's that we don't taste it. Because we know we live on. Wow. Yeah. So it's not, we have no fear of death when our, when our salvation is in eternity, right? We've already conquered it. So he's, it surely will not taste death before the return of man. It's like, because I, don't, I do not taste my death. <laughs> Amen. I love you, Dorothy. So glad to see you. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, yeah, so as Jesus says this, make a choice. Choose today, essentially, who you will serve. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it and find it. And that's essentially what I did in that moment and the fire escape. As I said, regardless, in my mind, I chose him regardless of the consequences that were coming my way. And I have tried and tried and tried consecutively throughout my life to, to continue down that path of saying, God, in this moment, what do you want me to do? Have I done it perfectly? No way. But has God been faithful to, to, to refine and, and, and just bring me closer and closer to him? Yes, absolutely. And with every single decision beyond that point that I have included him, he has shown up for me. And so I want to offer you all an opportunity this morning to put your trust wholly, completely, unadulteratedly in his hands and to choose today whom you will serve. And so I just want to ask everybody to stand to your feet, please. This isn't a decision to just take lightly or to do because I am up here telling you this is what I want to see you do. Thank you, AJ. Um, I just want to... Um, I just want to allow an opportunity, though, for all of us to make that choice. That decision where you say to yourself and to God that regardless of results, good, bad, or otherwise, right, that $750 fine that I received, that was the otherwise. It was neither good nor bad. It was, this is your otherwise. It could have been far, far, far worse, far worse. So regardless of the results, good, bad, or otherwise, that you are ready to put your full trust in Jesus Christ as your deliverer through whatever it is you're going through right now. For some of you, it might be that this is your first time saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. For those of you in this room that are saying that and making that decision, which I believe there are, I believe there are people in here that are saying that. Please do not leave here without talking to myself uh, or my wife Kira or um, Pastors Rich and Ann or Pastors AJ and Tammy. Do not leave here or, or Ryan and Donna Adelgren, who are on our eldership, like, do not leave this place without, without us being able to come alongside you and praise God for that decision <laughs> and cover you in prayer. So please, 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 if you are saying right now, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life, and I want to receive the payment that you made for me on the cross of shedding your blood and the breaking of your body so that I might be saved, and I want that. I want you 
to lead me from now on into eternity. I just, I just agree with the prayer that you have in your spirit right now. And I just ask that you do not leave here without letting somebody know. Please. For some of you who have made that commitment but are at a place with your circumstances and your situations in your life where you are, are trying to think your way through it and trying to come up with some creative solution in your own um, head, hear these words. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways know him and he will make straight your path. So if you need to receive prayer in regards to, to, to renewing your trust covenant with Jesus, with God Almighty, then we want to pray with you too. So please, if you, uh, if you want and need prayer over a situation, please don't leave without receiving prayer. This is how the body comes together. And this is how we lock shields and fight with one another. So Father God, I just pray and I ask that you move in this place. I ask Holy Spirit that you just allow yourself to move in the hearts of every man, woman, child in this room. Lord, and that you instill the truth that they can trust you. That you instill the truth that you will deliver them. That you, will, that you instill the truth that you are faithful to keep your promises. That, that words that have been spoken over this fellowship and over individuals in this fellowship are still words that they can stand upon. Lord, and that you will, that you will um, make a way where they don't see the way. Heavenly Father, and I just pray a blessing over this house. And I just ask, Lord, that you give us all that same sense of unity in the spirit to commit ourselves to following you and serving you. Lord, do not let us walk around disunified, disjointed, disconnected in offense, anger, frustrations, fears, depressions, discouragements. Lord, we ask that you bring us together and heal us. Heal us. Pour your spirit out. More, Jesus. More. Thank you. <laughs> Open your hearts and receive it. Some of you got to get out of your heads right now. Allow the Spirit to impact your heart. I just want to say the altar is open. If, you, if the Holy Spirit is moving in you right now and he is doing business with you and he is talking to you, don't, don't, don't feel, don't try to squelch it. Don't try to snuff it out. Don't try to shut it down. Bring it to the altar. Bring it before and lay it at his feet and lay yourself at his feet and say, God, guide me. Guide me into all righteousness for your name's sake. 
So I just want to take a moment and just leave the altar open. Let the spirit move and, and work and speak. But he also speaks in our conversations with one another. He speaks in our fellowship. And he wants to use you to impact this region. Every single one of you. So I also want to say you are released into, the, into what God has for you. And I just pray blessing over that as you go. But I do not want to restrain the Spirit of God to only acting in a two-hour window on a Sunday morning. So if God has more business to do in this place this morning and you have more business to do with him and you want to come down here and you want to say, God, I just want to, I need to spend more time with you. That's the leveling up I need to make in my life is more devotion and intentional time with you. Then please do it. But I just want to say, God, bless this house. And I believe Brother Denny here has a word. So I'm going to let him speak it first before I, before I officially send and release. Okay. Two words for you, hero. Hmm. When, when uh, you were, when you said that you made a decision that the fire escaped. Mm -hmm. That decision, you escaped the fire. Shakurambi <sighs> tokoyeshta nakota. And you're going to lead many, many more. You're going to show many, many more how to escape the fire. You're going to lead many to make that decision that's going to change forever their eternal destinies. And God is going to use the both of you in ways. Huh, I don't even have to tell you. You know. <laughs> you guys are so excited for it. And the other word is the Lord just gave me one word for you. Welcome home, Pastor. Welcome home. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much today. That's all right, buddy. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And I am so glad to be with family. That's what we are. Um, <laughs> I know I got some family right there that ends with Spencer, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that we aren't connected in spirit as family, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so I look forward to having huge family reunions often. <laughs> Amen.